0: in my life, in all our lives. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may take your seats tonight, everybody. Thank you, uh, team. Can we please turn uh, to our Bibles to Mark chapter 9? And I want to read a verse, starting from verse 14. If you haven't got your Bibles, I have it on the screen. But I always think it's great to read from your own. Bible. (laughs) You know, you can read a passage of scripture maybe a hundred times and yet you can find something different every time. That's the incredible ability of God's Word. And I know God's Word is not just information, it can bring incredible transformation in our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit just to bring that revelation in our hearts. I believe I pray this passage will be like that. Mark chapter nine, verse fourteen says this. Um, It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. Uh, What they're talking about is James, uh, James and John and Peter had been with Jesus, and now they came back to the disciples. There was a large crowd around the other disciples, and the teachers of the law were arguing with the disciples. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Uh, what are you arguing with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by spirit that is, has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. It foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. Uh, I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. "'You unbelieving generation,' Jesus replied. "'How long shall I stay with you? "'How long will I put up with you? "'Bring the boy to me.'" So they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, "'How long has he been like this?' And from childhood, he answered.'" Uh, If we were to go to the next uh, verse 22, It has thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, please take pity on us and help us. I'll just read that again. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything. Jesus says, if you can, (laughs) said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit you deaf and mute, spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer and what? Some of your versions of fasting, if you've got the... Um, some versions just say prayer, but it is prayer and fasting. Th- this set of events are interesting that unfold in this story because we see a dad who is desperate, uh, a dad who wants to see his son well. Maybe it's been not just months, but years his son has been like this. And he is not a whole in body-mind or spirit. This young man has a, some um, influence of a demon in his life, and there's a dad that's that's struggling and and uh, trying to see his son whole. And not only now has he been struggling with his son's uh, what was happening to him, and there's. Uh, sickness or this p- demon possession but now he's struggling with the fact that the disciples can't do anything for his son and he thought of all the people who could do something would be the disciples of Jesus could deliver him of this demon and so there's uh, there's maybe heartache upon heartache here for this man if you were in a situation and maybe your child was not well or, or, or possessed like this I man goodness you'd you'd be desperate wouldn't you I would be desperate um, I've, I've felt that sometimes when I've seen some of my daughter's sickness uh, you know, over a couple of years, and I've said, God, what's the answers? Um, and uh, for some time there, and, and, and it's an ongoing thing for my eldest daughter, and I think, Father, I'm just, just, just looking for answers here. So, <laughs> so <coughs> excuse me. So we see the problem with the father or the desperation of the father But there's a second group of people who are struggling this particular day, and that was the disciples themselves. The disciples are feeling somewhat disappointed (coughs) because they had prayed, as they've seen Jesus pray for people who have been demon possessed, and they've seen Jesus deliver people from demons, and they didn't, this boy was not delivered. And so you could appreciate the disciples would have been struggling with that, a bit disappointed. But maybe the the disciples, I feel, were also a bit disillusioned uh, by the fact that they couldn't help the boy or the the father. So there's two groups of people struggling in this story. The boy and his father, the disciples. And the boy and his father didn't have the answers. And the disciples were supposed to have the answers, but they didn't. I've discovered in life, as I've said at times in my life, where I've had questions maybe like that father. Uh, I believe that all of us at times have had questions and our best effort of prayer or our best requests. And we put it so nicely to God, but it didn't seem to come up with the answers. Uh, we prayed. We worked hard to convince God that the situation was worth a miracle. Have you ever done that? God, this is worth a miracle. Maybe not those words. But of all the situations, God, come please and answer and do something here. And our cry for help seems to fall sometimes on what we would say deaf ears because we don't seem to get the answers we looked for straight away. In fact, for some of us, maybe even here tonight, we've not bothered to pray anymore or ask because we just have to be disappointed. Or maybe we've just kind of given up a little bit and so well, it's never happened in the past. I pray that after tonight that won't be the case. But I want to encourage us. And so in this situation, we see we can be encouraged because even the disciples of Jesus Christ struggled at times. Okay? So there there must be a reason for this. And I'd like us to talk about that. So in this story, Jesus comes along. And Jesus... uh, Says, uh, what are you arguing about, you disciples and and, and the teachers of the law? Uh, so the ma- and so the disciples don't get a chance to even answer that question because this father piped up and he said, Hey, Jesus, I brought my son and he's been having these fits and he does this and he's possessed and and even your disciples couldn't deliver him from this problem, uh, and so the father is sharing with you with Jesus the problem, and I can appreciate that the disciples. Um, their kind of their day went from bad to worse because not only have they the disappointment of not seeing this young man healed, but they have the the problem of the of these religious leaders now accusing them and arguing with them and saying, "See, you really haven't got much power." And I imagine that's what conversation might have went along with, and the and they were arguing. In this, and the argument would have been centered on the fact that they couldn't help the boy. I imagine that would be the case. So. And you know, what happens when when we pray and we believe and things don't go to plan? Um, we find ourselves not sure of what really has happened. We've, we've asked God. We thought we delivered our best prayer yet, and yet, and we and we've put A, B, and C into place, and we've done. We've stood upon verses in the Bible, and we thought this should happen and this should happen, and it hasn't happened, and it hasn't unfolded as we thought it would. And we find ourselves seeking to to place maybe uh, God's healing or we seek to place God's answers into a neat little formula and it should work every time. Shouldn't it? God, this is how it should happen according to my understanding. Uh, and when it doesn't, we get these arguments that bombard us, and just like the disciples that day had the arguments and the bombardment of the religious leaders in the law, and saying, "Well, you couldn't heal that boy," and you know, sometimes when we things answered prayer doesn't come to pass, you know, we we get bombarded with all types of thoughts that say, "Hey, you failed. You, you're really not really. You really haven't got God's ear, or God's not maybe." In extreme cases, maybe God's really not that interested in you. And uh, all those type of thoughts can bombard us. And after, and, we, and we see this is the situation. And we see after the father has uh, told Jesus what happened and what the disciples failed to do, we need to continue in the story because the story gets very interesting. Okay? Right there. The conversation gets interesting because this is what we can sometimes be like because the dad, like the dad... And the, and the dad says, if, if you can do anything, if you could just do something and help us, that's what the dad says. Uh, if you could just it's my prayer, if you could just change the circumstances, if it, that work situation, if you could just change the circumstances, if you could just change the heart of that person. Now, I'm not saying that's not a good prayer. But uh, we have a whole lot of little things we'd ask and request of God. And that's good that we do. But uh, when it doesn't happen, uh, we've got to sometimes realize that it mightn't necessarily be because you're not praying right or something's wrong with you. But, you know, just like the dad, if you could do anything. And Jesus' response to the father is like, he says, if I can, what are you talking about? If, if I can How about you realize, I can. Uh, And right there, Jesus identifies the problem. And the problem was belief. It wasn't the demon. Okay? Uh, Sometimes we read this story and we think, oh, the real problem is this demon is a really big demon and we've got to pray and fast more. Well, no, that wasn't the problem. Jesus identifies the problem. He says it's a belief. Because the Father said, if... Jesus says, "If isn't the it, you know that's the problem." He's saying to me, "If I I can deliver him, I could heal him. That's not the problem." He says, "It's you, the unbelief of this generation." He says, "Doesn't he?" He says, "If you believe, all things are what possible." If you believe, he throws the big if back at the father. Um, and you know, as I as I, I think about the reality of this. Uh, We can all struggle sometimes to allow that belief system or the beliefs in our heart to rise above the ifs of life. Uh, And and I want to encourage us, throw the ifs out of your cry for help. Throw the ifs out of your prayers. You don't need that word. If you can heal me, God, God can heal you. Would you agree? If you can just answer my prayer, God can answer prayer. Um, Just because he mightn't answer it the way you wanted it or the way you thought should happen now at the time you thought doesn't mean that God can't answer it. Uh, If you could just change the circumstances, of course God can change the circumstances. And he's saying to this father and to the disciples and the people there, if is the issue, it's not the size of the demon, it's the size of the belief in your heart. Um, See, Jesus sorts out the issue. And the boy is set free as the story goes on. And when all the crowd is dispersed, and and it's just the disciples and Jesus, the disciples ask him a very important question. And they say, hey, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out the demon? And uh, have you ever asked Jesus a question like that? How come? How come, God? How come? It hasn't happened. And uh, how come? This circumstance hasn't been turned around. How come, God? My daughter's still not a hundred percent well. How come I've still got these problems? How come, God? Uh, these things. And uh, Jesus replies, and He says, "This kind." In talking to the mayor or talking to the disciples, He says, "This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting." And you may say, "Well, that's the answer," but it's not. I want to show you something. It's interesting because I think people have read Mark chapter. Uh, uh, nine and misinterpreted that last statement by Jesus many times because you've got to read the whole context of the of the of the chapter. See, the interesting thing is here. Um, he says uh, prayer and fasting, and we look at this and we say, "Well, it's this kind of demon, this really big demon." As because when I first read that, I think, "Oh, this must be a really big demon, really major, massive demon." And it may have been, but that's not the issue. Uh, and it can only be dealt with by prayer and fasting and we can think that this kind of demon or this big ugly fella can only there's only one way to deal with it, and that's get rid of it. When we really press in, we really make a determined effort. We pray harder. We work harder at it. We yell louder. We scream louder. We really get into it and say, "Well, if I can only the demon's big, and if I can get bigger, and I can make a louder noise, or I can pray more determined, or I can do that, or man, then I'll really be able to deal with it." But really, Jesus isn't saying that. Jesus has already identified the problem, as I said, and the problem was in the earlier verses. It said, belief. Everything is possible to those who believe. That was the problem. Um, what I think, when, as I contemplated this thought, the problem is if we can shift the problem from a belief issue to a demon problem, then if we can do that, then we only have to try harder and we could deal with it. If the Christian faith was that simple, that all we had to do was try harder, everything could be sorted out. Wouldn't that be great? Bigger problem? More? H- I'll work really hard for my Christian faith. But the Word of God says that we're not saved by works or trying harder. Isn't that true? Please don't misunderstand me. There's times when we just need to pray... And pray and and push through. I don't. I don't disagree with that. But I want to tell you, there's a reason we need to pray and push through. There's a reason, and I'll, I'll help you to discover that. But if our Christian faith and our relationship with God is based upon, if I just try harder, God will hear me. If I can just pray harder, God will notice. It's a wrong foundation for prayer. It's a wrong foundation for relationship. Um, if if all the problems in the world are overcome by how hard we work and pray, and if I get it, then um, and if we're a good Christian, if I'm a good enough Christian, then God should answer all my prayers, shouldn't He? So why is it so important to recognise this thought and to see this principle? Because it completely changes your approach to prayer completely changes your approach even if you fast which is a great thing uh i encourage you come and pray with us this tuesday night from seven to eight particularly as we move into a times with uh, Dion hockey i ask you to come and be a part of that but it, it, it can if, it, it completely will change your approach to your relationship with god if you can catch this see when we go into times of praying fasting it's not to try harder so we can deal with the bigger problems of life praying is about Jumping on board with Jesus Christ to get a new belief in what he has already been able to do and will do. I'll say it again prayer is about jumping on board with Jesus to get a new belief in our heart of what he has always been able to do. That's a better way of putting it. Prayer is not about forcing an answer from God about what we want to see happen. It's not about twisting his arm. Have you ever grabbed someone maybe and and taken their arm and put it behind their back and, you know, maybe in fun or maybe not in fun, but, and and you come on, do what I want. You know, it's very difficult for that person to do anything when they've got their arm twisted. God doesn't respond to arm twisting. God doesn't and say, well, I'll just wait till they really get me upset and then I'll answer their prayer. Do you think God's like that? He doesn't respond like an upset parent. He doesn't, you know, the kid screams and yells and the parent's really upset and, and finally the kid gets so much on the parent's nerves. Well, I'll give you what you want. Just shut up. God's not like that. And you might say, oh, but there's a passage in Scripture where it says we need to be, you know, continually asking. Yes, it is. But you're not overcoming God's reluctance. You just need to take a hold of His willingness. There's a difference. There's a difference prayer, that is our relationship with God, is not about changing God's minds that He gives us answers. It's about us dealing with our belief and trust in God. It's about us actually getting on board with Jesus and building belief that He can do what He said He can do. it's about becoming to a new trust levels in, in all that God's able to do. And it's about exactly doing what Jesus said in the Scripture. If you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. It's about jumping on board with Him. And I've discovered, what, what does it do for our prayer time and our relationship with God? It changes the emphasis from, God, change the situation, give me the answers, to God, change me, from unbelief, to simply believe what you can already do. Does that make sense? Change me, so that I may have a belief, that to see that you could do what you can already do. Now, is it... it you know, is it just going to happen overnight? No, no, sometimes there's a building of trust in God. I discovered God takes us on these little episodes of building trust in Him and just trusting Him. And so there's some things that I've prayed for, folks, and, and, and just believing for healing, for instance. It's a wonderful topic, isn't it? I've been believing for healing for something for my body the last uh, two weeks. And uh, I I believe God has really quite healed me because the pain is gone where I had that pain. But you know, every now and then, for no reason at all, that pain just comes back for about five or ten seconds. And I think, Father, I just thank you that you hear me. So it's a, a process of learning how to just trust him. Now, do I need to get upset and pray harder? I will, well, not necessarily, but I just need to pray and just say, Father, I just thank you for what you've done. I'm just going to release my belief and trust you. And you say, well, yeah, that, that it's not as easy as that sometimes. I understand that. Because when you're facing some pretty big mountains... It's easy to stand up here and just say, Oh, well, God, you know, I'll just believe. Uh, but I tell you what, I'd rather be standing on the side of belief than standing on the other side over here, getting all worked up and trying to force God to answer me. and saying, Because that's not the relationship He wants with you. Would you believe that? He doesn't want this. He wants a relationship of love. Or just a You know, I find in Scripture it says, Enter into His rest. Enter into His rest. I think that's the most incredible places to just being in His presence, like we were tonight, just worshiping. Because it's that place of worship that I start to understand what the heart of God is, and I just rest. So that when I do come to ask and request things of God, it's not out of a trying to get spiritually constipated and I'm going to work it out. It comes from a situation of Father, I'm just trusting you. I just thank you. I just thank you, God, that you have the answers. And that even means trusting him with the timeline of how he's going to answer it. <laughs> Man, I want it yesterday. God says there's a, he's got a different timeline sometimes. It's not going to be when I want it. Um, here's a good question. Um, let me just say this again, what I said before would be bad, before I ask this question. When we change the emphasis, um, we change. God changed the situation. It gives me the answer. Uh, sorry, when I say stop saying, God give me, give me the answer, and I start to just rest in Him and just and uh, uh, allow it to happen. God changes me from the unbelief to simply believe what you can do already, or what you already have done, or what you can already do. So. Here comes the question, how come Jesus didn't have to go into a season of prayer and fasting to heal this boy from this demon, deliver him from the demon there on the spot? Why didn't Jesus, after saying to the, you know, uh, saying, well, literally, he said that after he delivered this boy, but why didn't Jesus have to go into a prayer a time of prayer and fasting? Because Jesus already was there in the place of belief. He was already there. He was already in that place. And we can say, but... You know, you can say, but he's Jesus, he's the Son of God, he's God, and he's got it all together, and he could just do that. But i continually read the Bible, the Bible actually says, I can even do the things Jesus did, and even greater. Wow. Amen. So so when someone says, well, he's Jesus, and he can do amazing things, you know, when we ask the question, or how come we can't, you know, people aren't being healed when we pray, or or, or people aren't answers aren't coming or God's not answering prayer sometimes we can say well well that's Jesus he can do that that's another way of saying I oh, will um, well I'm not Jesus and I never will be Jesus and you never will be Jesus but we can do what Jesus has done Uh, And we need to realize Jesus is not asking us to approach it differently from Him, but approaching it like Him. And I need to be in a place of belief like Him. I don't need to be, don't have the belief like Him. Then, Then if I don't have the belief like Jesus, that's okay. That's okay if you haven't got the belief like Jesus tonight, because you can just spend time in His presence through prayer and fasting and start to build belief. See what Jesus is saying? This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. It's another word and that prayer and fasting is not to get answers from God it's a, it's a, it's to let God instill belief in our hearts so we can get answers do you know what I'm saying are we there uh prayer and fasting or relationship with God has become less and less about me getting answers and more and more about me hearing his voice and more and more about me becoming like him, and more and more about me getting into his presence, I start to become clearer in my thinking, start to be uncluttered with all the worldly thoughts, and start to see that he can do what he said he could do, and I can believe him for that. And that saves a lot of stress. When Michelle was pregnant with her first child, you know, um, I hadn't kind of walked this path of journey before. I'd never had a child. And, and to me, it, it wasn't real for a while. But I tell you, the moment it became really real is when she had this wonderful thing called an ultrasound. And the baby was there in black and white as it was. But there was our first child. And I thought, my goodness, you have got something in there. <laughs> and I started to see for the first time uh, that this, it, it, this ultrasound transported me to a new realm of seeing the reality of what before I really couldn't see or imagine. And my relationship based on prayer and communication with God is like the ultrasound of heaven because I can see in a new way. Instead of trying to force a picture into my mind of what my child might look like, I now had a a picture of something of a child through this ultrasound. And I want to tell you, when you get to the point where prayer and relationship with God is not based upon what you can get from God, but based upon what your relationship and what He can speak into your heart and just being in His presence, then that kind of belief system is is what is is the ultrasound of heaven that helps you to be able to see what you couldn't see before. And what you've been believing for. Um, You can have the video of it. See, there's the Bible scripture says, now faith or belief is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things what? Not seen. That's what belief is. It's the ultrasound of heaven. It helps you to believe for it and see it. And it's not about, it's about trusting him. And when it doesn't happen straight away, you can still stand confident and trust Him. And when it still doesn't happen the way you thought it should happen, you can still stand confident and trust Him. God wants us to take the ifs out of our prayer life. If you can do it, of course He can do it. And then not to interpret that we've just got to... uh, is prayer and am I saying tonight that prayer and fasting isn't important? No, far from it. Prayer and fasting is the place that brings you into relationship with Him and into His presence. But prayer and fasting is not to try and get answers from God. Prayer and fasting is God to give you the answer in your heart so you can believe with Him for what He already can do. I don't think I can say it much simpler. Does anybody just agree with that? Why do I want to do this? Why should I want to do this? I'll give you three thoughts just to finish with tonight. Why do I want to do this? Number one, I want to be able to know that God has got my back all the time. See, he always has, but... To go into a situation thinking, is God with me or is not God with me? Because in the past, maybe we haven't got the answers we wanted or we haven't got the direction we thought we should have or we haven't got God giving us what we should we thought we deserved. And sometimes we can think, is God really with me or is God not with me? I want to tell you, He's always with you. He's got your back, amen? He's a good God. He's not a God saying, I'm here today, gone tomorrow. He's not a God that says, well, it's just me that walks away. (laughs) <laughs> not God. Uh, so I have to be in that place of intimacy and worship. And when I am, I have the confidence that he's in control. Take for a moment the whole story in the New Testament, Old Testament of Daniel, chapter 3. There's three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three good mates of Daniel. And the king of, of, of the foreign country said to these three men, you shall worship this idol, which was a statue of the king. And they said, oh, king, we honor you, but we will not worship you. An idol of you. And the king says, "If you, unless you worship, I'll throw you into the fiery furnace and you will uh, be roasted. How do you like that? You'll worship me. They said, oh king, we want you to know that we respect you but we'll not worship you and it's okay because we believe that our God who we worship is creator of heaven and earth can actually protect us from the fiery furnace. And it, isn't that wonderful news? that God could protect it from the fiery furnace. And they said, even if God doesn't protect us from the fiery furnace, we will not worship your idol, because even if we perish and get burnt up, that's okay, we're still going to trust God. Now here's the thought. If you get to the point where in life you say, uh, I'm not going to worship that idol, because, uh, uh, because um, I believe God can save me from the fiery furnace. And just imagine if the three Hebrew men said, Shadrach, you go first, we'll just test this theory. So, Shadrach goes in, he's a little ball, he's incinerated, he's cremated, the other two say, oh, we'll worship your idol. <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't hold up. Didn't, God didn't come through. He didn't give us the answer we wanted. Uh, who was it? Who went into the fire? Shadrach? He's, he's destroyed, he's gone. Uh, the rest of us, are, we'll worship your idol. <laughs> See, I, I like what the three Hebrew men says. we'll all go in together, And whether we are saved or perish we're always going to trust God you say that's not real fun in life that's not good I always want God to give me the the bright side of life I always want to see things I always want to be blessed well so do I and God does want to but I tell you one of the things about God is he knows what's best for us and you've got to trust him that everything we go through ultimately he'd be bringing something good out of it even if it is the fiery furnace even if you do perish. God willing, that won't happen, God, between now and the time of my uh, death. But you know, there's times we go through, we say, this can't be God, this really is uncomfortable, my character's being developed, I have to say sorry to that person, you've got to be joking. I've got to actually do something different, I've got to actually, you know, change my attitudes. God, that can't be you, can it? Definitely is. So, why do I say all that? I'm not quite sure, but I just thought it was a good thought. Um, so why do I want to... You know, God has got our back and even when the things aren't going well, He's still got our back. He's just developing something and we've got to trust Him. And you know, the, the level of relationship you have with God will determine the level of belief that you have in your heart. So more relationship, more belief. Less relationship, less belief. More relationship... More understanding of what the hard times are about. Less relationship, less understanding about the hard times. More relationship with God, more understanding of, hey, God, you're developing something and I'm going to love you through it. Less relationship, God, I'm sick of you. Give up. <laughs> Stuff you. I'm out of here. Do you understand that? You're very quiet. Is that because you're thinking or you're sleeping? <laughs> thinking great why do i want to do this number two so he can reveal his will to us romans chapter 12 verse 2 be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what mind, mind. fantastic and then you will know his good and perfect will isn't that an amazing thing be not isn't that interesting we have to change to know his will <laughs> that's what happens in relationship god doesn't change his mind we have to change our lives And so when we come and submit ourselves to God, and we don't allow the world in, but we allow Him in, we renew our mind, and then we know God's will for our life. Someone prayed tonight. Maybe it was Penny in the prayer meeting. God, It was actually Kate, I think. She said, God, you're the potter. He's the molder of our lives. And I've said this before, but God is not a traffic policeman at the corner of every intersection in your life telling you which way to go. God doesn't do that. What God does is mold you so that you know the way to go. Is that okay he's not a policeman stop you go this direction you go that no he doesn't do that what he does is that he renews your mind so that you can then know when you come to the intersections of life and you're wondering which direction to take you know in your heart the direction you need to take does that make sense thank you for your overwhelming excitement about that He wants us to renew the grey matter, start to think on what is good and worthy of praise. Do you know when you respond, you, you, sometimes you catch it more when you respond. You don't, I'm really not looking for you to respond to me, but sometimes, you know, Ben and Toka were saying, you know, when people just say yes and amen, it really is that they catch something in their heart. And when you respond to something, it solidifies it. So it's okay, you don't have to start yelling or screaming, but it is great just to say, amen, Lord, I just believe. So he can reveal his will to us. The third and last thought is this, and the team can come. Um, not, only, not only does we need to go, no, God's got our back. Not only can he reveal his will to us, but we have a new type of way of seeing. You see, prayer and relationship with him is more about renewing our minds, as we've said, and not trying to change his, change his mind, but um, change our line of thought um, so that our line of thought comes into line with his line of thought. And when we realize that we need to get on his side, we will see with a new perspective. We'll see life with a different perspective. We'll see how things so much differently. Belief starts to rise in our hearts. Attitudes start to change. God starts to do something. That prayer and fasting and relationship and, and whatever, reading the Word of God is not just so we can satisfy God and say, well, I've read today, there, done my duty, great. I'll move on. No, no, it all becomes about relationship and discovering. And as we do that, God puts the fresh belief in our heart and excites us that we go out in the community and we can then be those vessels that would just touch our community, love people, pray for people, uh, just let God do something incredible in and through us. Not because we're great, it's just because the God who is in us is great. Would you agree with that? Can we stand tonight? We need to take the ifs out of our cry for help. The ifs out of our cry for help. We can't work any harder. We can only just work smarter. And smarter is just allowing God in and saying, Father, this is, you are all that I need. And I pray that when you read that passage, you remember that it's when Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and and fasting. It's not about how hard we pray. It's about giving over, allowing Him to come in in our prayer times and our fasting times. You know, when I fast, I find that I'm so acutely aware of spiritual things more than ever before. When I just spend time in His presence, the world gets pushed aside, which is really comforting and encouraging. And it's just focused. I'm so aware of his thoughts. I'm so aware when I read his Bible of what it's saying. So my It's like everything is attuned. My stomach might be rumbling, but my spiritual bed is just is so attuned and focused on what he's speaking. And I encourage you to do that. That's a great thing to do. So we're going to just worship tonight. And I just wonder if tonight that um, if you're like me, uh, maybe like the Father, and there's just just been that struggle, there's been that situation, that circumstance that maybe not even your fault or anything like that, but it just comes and it's bombarding you and and you're just saying, Father, I just need your peace. I just need your touch. Um, I'd just love to pray with you tonight. I'd just love to pray if you, you could identify with the dad. Or maybe you could identify with the disciples and feeling, oh God, I prayed and nothing's really happened. But God would encourage you, it's okay. It's okay. He's not discarded you. He's not left you out, hung you out to dry. He doesn't, he's, he's not lost his love for you. He just says, come on, come to me, child, and just, you know, let your, come and let my presence be in you. So, if you desire prayer, I'd love to just stand with you tonight. And uh, you just come. And as we just sing and worship, just for a moment, hey, come on. Thanks, Kate.